Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is John Keller from the film consulting and promoting initiative Felix Martyr Society. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, this is Ace Marrero from the movie Madison County. Hi, this is David L.G. Hughes, writer-director of the film Hall Bowl Suites. I love the pace and the fastness, and I love the fact that you just roll with it. Hi, I'm Eric England, the director of Contracted. Hi, I'm J.K. Amano, the writer-director of Deviation. My name is Nathan Whitehead, and I wrote the music for Beyond Skyline. Hello, Stuart. Just a quick hello from Sarah Douglas. Hi, this is Ben Lloyd Holmes from the film The Expedition. This is Dominic Burns, the director of Allies. Hey, Stuart, page the screen. .com up in my volume. Snake, get up to my motorcycle running and tracking up with my fucking snake, genius, with Dom, um, eating pizza, and pussy. I'm Neil Johnson, I directed Rogue Warrior and The Time War, and I crucified Adolf Hitler. The From Page to Screen Movie Good evening. Good evening. How many good evenings have we got? (laughs) One at the moment. One at the moment. Where are the other two? I don't know, you just can't get the staff, can you, really? I don't know. Dum-de-dum-de-dum. Do they not know we've got a schedule to, to hit? <laughs> hey, is that two that have left or two that have joined? I'm still only showing you. Bloody hell. You just cannot get the staff. Not on this call, Robert Dyer. There's a shock. Let's ring him. Uh, Rob said uh, Rob's supposed to be on it. Hello, I'm here, Stuart. All right, Stuart. Good, good. Yay! I think we're just waiting for Wales. I think we're just waiting for Wales to catch up with the New Year thing. <laughs> Rob, I think. Hello, hello, Robert. Finally, yes. well, we? welcome to 2019, Rob. Oh, this this computer after that last Windows update, it didn't ring. La- oh well, a few weeks ago, it didn't ring this time. Ooh. It's there. I can see something's happening. Yep. It just won't let me join it. So I'm there frantically trying to call you back. That's um. kind of many people have said that that same thing about my love life. We could see it's there, but we're not getting <laughs> no response. <laughs> no comment. Uh, usually, it's just me saying it to myself. <laughs> so uh-huh. first podcast of the year. Normally, we'd go into how was your Christmas? How was your New Year? What did you watch? No, obviously, Bob, you don't get that question. But Rob, what did you watch? Stuart, what did you watch? And what did I watch? But we ain't got time for that yet. None of it. Because we've all got big, long lists. Um, I know for a fact, Bob, <laughs> you haven't brought just 10, have you? No. no well, I, I've brought just 10, but I've brought reinforcements for those 10. Yeah, I've brought more honor- honorable mentions than I have. Um, <laughs> than I have. Right. Firstly, this is a question to... Pretty much everybody. So we have the wonderful Leighton Rocks on again. So hi, Stuart. Hello. It's thank gonna, you. It's going to get confusing. Hey. People know me as Stuart, <laughs> but well, you know, tough. They can they can catch up. Um, yeah. yeah. How was it? If you missed his first one. They should be listening to it. Oh, exactly. Go back and listen to it. It's fine. It's yeah. So Stuart, how easy was it for you to come up with a top ten of your favourite British films? 
easy or difficult? Well, easy because I didn't, I didn't sort of, I didn't worry too much about the ever part of the question. Okay. Um, about because I just thought I'll come up with ten. There, there's, there's the, there's the obvious ones that come to mind. So they definitely went in. Yep. And then there was, then, then there was thinking about it and what should I put in, and then I had to make some choices. See, I don't think on my list of ten, I've got any of the ones that people would probably put on their list so i'm quite i'm looking forward to it i i took it as my own personal favorite 10 and i managed to do 10 pretty quick but then i realized i'd forgotten about another 30 or 40 so i've been <laughs> whittling it down and even within the past half hour i i hadn't decided what was going to be the number 10 film so it was uh, mine aren't in any specific order other than the number one so the number one is my favourite UK film of all time, but everything else deserves okay. to be in the top ten. But I, I would have really struggled, uh, sort of pairing them off against each other because a lot of them are very different films. I mean, you know, Spice World. Where would you put that? How do you compare it to <laughs> to Get Carter? It's not easy. It's not easy. They're both classics. Well, you've, you've got one of mine already. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it's uh, Get Carter. So, Rob, how about you? Did you find it easy or difficult to do a list of ten? Well. Easy and difficult. Uh, the problem I had, obviously, um, as you know, because I was sending you a few messages about this, is what do you class as a British film? I don't watch a lot of independents, um, so mine are more mainstream, and uh, so that's where the uh, the issues arose. But um, I've got something. I'm saying the British, and I'm sticking with it. Okay. That's well, to be honest with you, I do I do the Britflix podcast, and and a show I do on that is Five Great British Horror Films, and we've had this come up before and i've tended to be just flexible i know mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure there is a, a hrmc definition of a british film um, <laughs> but but i think if you think of it as i mean lawrence arabia is a british film isn't it yeah yep but there seems to be but there is also films that are clearly american studios that are shot in britain that feel british so therefore i think they are british sometimes american world in london was the has always been the contentious one it is, isn't it? Because you're like, well, it's made from the guy that did the Blues Brothers, and it's got Dan Aykroyd yeah. and you know Belushi and Spielberg's in there, mm. and Carrie Fisher. It's a British film. So I, I had this conversation mm. where I think it was, I think I had this conversation separately with Rob and Bob actually, and they were like, what, <laughs> it, what do you constitute a British film? And I said, as long as you could justify the fact that you feel it's a British film, go for it. So if I don't yeah. think that one of the choices is a British film, as long as you can go, well, actually, here's why I think it is, then I have no issue with that. It's not a court of law, is it, this? Nope. No. So, uh, Bob, what about you? Easy or difficult? Um, like you say, I started off with the problem of trying to define what a British film was and then kind of, like I say, a bit of a natter with you, threw the whole thing in the bin and decided, right, you know, a Br- Brit- as you say, a British film is whatever I can validate as British. Yeah. So... I then went through, and it was, like you say, it's getting right, what are the best ones? And I thought, okay, scrub that. What are the ones that I would quite happily watch multiple times? Okay. Good reasoning. Yep. Mm. Yeah. That's how I And even then, it. I've got 29 that I've had to get 10 out of. <laughs> <laughs> so how many of, uh, I mean, I know I've brought honourable mentions. Have you three brought honourable mentions with you, or have you just stuck yeah, with the 19. list? or? <laughs> what about you Rob have you got honourable mentions on your list or have you just brought your list of 10 uh, I've just got my list of 10 I'm sure I could uh, throw in some honourable mentions though Okay. what about you Stuart it's the same I've, I've got me 10 but I've but there's there's definitely some ones that I've 
I've kind of got. I was I was looking at the list, going mm, swap out, swap out. And I thought, no, I'll, I'll gamble on the fact that that one of you is my cover, the one I was going to swap out. That's the I had that same thing. I'm pretty sure I know one that Bob's got on his list. So I thought, <laughs> well, that's on his list probably. So I'll I've leave done the it off same mine. with yours. If it's not this on his list, I'm gonna. So I apologise yeah. to you know the people involved in the film if I've not put your film on your list. But there's uh, a couple on mine that I haven't put on because I'm pretty sure you'd have them on yours. Yep, fingers crossed, and none so of us, in none, the of us know, none of us know the other lists, which is uh, is, is all, <laughs> always fun. But here's a question for you, Stuart. So you mentioned Britflix. We mentioned Britflix the last time you were on the podcast, but we may have yeah. a few new listeners. So what is Britflix, and when was your involvement with it, and you know, highlights of it? Are there any difficult parts about working on the Britflix podcast? Just the microphone is well, open well, to you to tell everybody about it. Well, Britflix is, 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 is my labour of love, so to call it work would be ridiculous because I get paid rarely and I enjoy doing it, so that keeps me going. Um, I interview filmmakers, largely British ones, but because of Frightfest, I deviate more often than not now, which is why I created the sub-show Five Great British Horrors, which means I get to cover the Britflix remit of covering British film, but I can talk to anyone. Um, but this fright fest, I had an absolute. Hell, right? If I'm honest, if I'm honest with you, I um, I managed to get John Sales on as a guest. Nice, wow, which was just phenomenal. Um, I don't know if any of you've seen the man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot. No. Should we? Should, should we watch something? <laughs> it's coming out in. It's coming out next year. Um, it's, yeah. it's didn't. It wasn't one of those that got the immediate release and everything. So it's it's due a proper release next year. Stars Sam Elliott. It is a wonderful story of a man looking back on a life of sacrifice and whether or not the greater good sacrifice was worth the personal sacrifice. So it's not it's not kind of a cartoon retelling of history like saying Glorious Bastards was, and because uh, the title suggests it's a silly bonkers B movie, but really it's a beautiful, I guess, melodramatic drama about uh, an old man looking back on his life. So you get kind of a a young version of Sam Elliott and a present day version of Sam Elliott. Nice. Very good. You can never have enough Sam Elliott. No, you can. Anything. <laughs> yep. So yeah. yeah, so that film led to me getting John Sales on the podcast, and so that adds to uh, Larry Smith, who was uh, DLP on Eyes Wide Shut. That was another highlight for me. Nice. Um, so yeah, that kind of thing. So have you got uh, all your plans in place for the Britflix uh, thing yeah. this year? And uh, yep. I've got plans, but, no. but I've got I've got your I've wish got in list. the cat. I've got in the can ready to go. Um, Liam Gavin talking about making uh, a dark song, which I think is one of the underrated, overlooked horrors of the last five or six years. I don't know if any of you've seen it. I haven't. No. Have no. no. you seen it? Nope. Sorry, I'm not no. normally a horror fan. <laughs> <laughs> no, we were. Da- Oh, I mean, it's it's because it, a, it, I mean, obviously, I, there's a bias with Britflix and stuff, but it's a it's an amazing um, two-hander, and it stars Steve Oram um, of Sizes fame, among many things, and he plays an out-and-out bastard, so he's sort of cast against type, and he plays a kind of gobby, attitude-filled shaman who takes a posh woman through a months and months-long ritual to try and speak to a dead son, and it all goes horribly wrong. Okay, it's and it's wonderful, wonderful film. So yeah, I've got that coming up. 
one of mine this year is to definitely watch more UK films. This has been something, and I'm increasing more and more, but I, I'm still bringing in a lot of the mainstream stuff as well. So it's um, Bob, Rob, and I are trying to invent a machine to invent more hours in the daytime, um, <laughs> or invent the, the the fact that we don't have to have a day job, so we could just stay at home and do this. Would be amazing. Yeah. So we'll cut you in on that, Stuart. All right, nice one. <laughs> it's still in the early planning stages, but we'll get there at some point, never. So, um, yeah, let's go through all the honourable mentions first, because that's probably the longest list, and it's probably also the quickest one, I think, that we can get through. So, um, R- Bob, let's pick on you first, so oh. Rob, Rob can be coming up with his. So just sort of <laughs> give a quick, you know, not like a really in-depth thing, but just which films did not make the top ten list for you. Right, as you say, um, I got kind of got it down to a list of 29 and then had to narrow it down to 10. So, um, I mean, there was a bit of discussion during the week of people thinking I was going to go for old stuff because, yeah. you know, me being old. <laughs> no, it's just so. you, you're, you, tend to, you tend to watch a lot of the classic films. Oh, yeah. So that's so, why I thought, well, Bob's definitely going to go for that, but I may be wrong. Just to cover a few of those as honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. You've got Oliver, the musical. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the 39 Steps. Goodbye, Mr. Chips. The Lady Vanishes. Those Magnificent Men in Their Flying Machines. And then, a bit more up to date, The Ipcrest Files. Okay. Then, moving a bit further forward, we're coming to Zulu. Uh, I've got Remains of the Day. Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. Uh... Shakespeare in Love, um, got Train Spotting, Dead Man's Shoes, London to Brighton, A Knight's Tale, Split Second, and Murder on the Orient Express. Oh, and the wrong trousers. Wow. There you go. Those yep. are the quick, quick run through. You've got a few on your list there where I thought, damn, why didn't I have Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence? But then I remembered that my list is long enough anyway, so I'm all right with not having it. <laughs> but there was, there was a few on there that. A lot of people got Knight's Tale. How is that British? Well, it is. So you know, but it's yeah, it's good choices. Yep. Good. Uh, so those are my honourables. <laughs> so, Mister Britflix, what have you got, Stuart? Your honourable. Uh, well, I mentioned one already. Lawrence Arabia, <clears throat> it Chris Files, Dead Man's Shoes, actually as well. Um, uh, Holy Grail, Life of Brian, um, Brazil. It's it's bonkers when you think they're not on. In yeah. the top list, yeah. um, and um, sexy beast. Mm. There's sure. oh, what a lovely war! I suppose mm-hmm. of, of the older ones, but that's I mean that's a weakness. When I was doing this, I realised looking back, there are I, my that's where I need to sort of scrub up on my sort of film knowledge um, is to oh, and peeping tom as well. Oh, so see, pe- peeping tom, I couldn't get into it. Just if. Is that as weird as it looks? Because I remember watching it, and I got maybe 10, 15 minutes it's, into it, I thought, this film is freaking Scorsese's. strange. <laughs> well, no, it is. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, it's... Um, you know, it's if it's good enough for Martin Scorsese, it's good enough for me. Yeah, exactly. Fair enough. I'm yeah. not about to uh, dispute next thing. I know I'll be having a pop at Clint Eastwood, and that would never happen. So. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, uh, Rob, what would you put in as your honourable mentions that didn't... And are there any on these two lists that have been read out already where you're like, oh, tell me more about that one? Or are you okay with them? 
No, no, I'm okay with them. Um, for me, I think um, a lot of the Monty Python stuff, and obviously Life of Brian was uh, mentioned. Um, you've got The Great Escape, but I'm not sure it's a British film or not. It's it's one that I've got a question mark hanging over it. Um, and the other one for me would be Dog Soldiers, because it was probably the very first yes. independent film I ever watched. Good choice. good choice. Yep. Good, good, good. Well, so over to you then. Are Ill Manners, great mm-hmm. film. Uh, Tyrannosaur by Paddy Considine. Wild Bill by Dexter Fletcher. Uh, Scum. Good shout, yeah, good shout. Scum, starring Ray Winston yep. and a whole bunch Ooh. of others. I, Daniel Blake. Welcome to the Punch. Mm-hmm. Ten Rillington Place. When the Wind Blows, I think that's my only animated one that I've got in there. Uh, I was struggling for which Danny Boyle one to put in. I nearly went for Train Spotting, but I actually prefer Shallow Grave. So I'll put yep. that one in there. Kess. I have got, as an honourable mention, Get Carter. Not the Stallone one, I might add, the, the proper Michael yes. game one. Uh, the Killing Fields. Yep. Starred Up, starring Jack O'Connell. Uh, McVicker, starring Roger Daltrey. Control which goes into the history of the Joy Division music band. Uh, Danny that Dyer... On, actually, actually, that was on mine, actually, I think. Control's a Thinking great about. film, if you've not seen that one. Uh, mm. Ven- Vendetta by Stephen Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've kind of cheated because I've got a trilogy in here. The White Collar Hooligan trilogy by Paul Tanter. That very <laughs> nearly made my top ten, but I'm not a massive fan of the third one. So that lost like a point only like a point and it, it took it out from being one of my favourite trilogies so that's my honourable mentions there's probably a lot in there that Rob's not heard of and probably yep. probably a few that Bob's not heard of but I think the majority Rob you've probably not seen <clears throat> a whole bunch of those pass them over anyway like um, <laughs> hard boiled sweets and that kind of thing and uh, yep. they'll get watched good 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 right so where the heck do we start with our top 10 lists right Obviously, at number 10. <laughs> Who wants to go first? Rob, you go first. Yeah, put me first because uh, I'm the one that's going to have the mainstream stuff that everybody goes, oh, really? Um, right. Um, let's. I'm not going to do these in any kind of order. Um, and I'm going to get rid of the one that everybody will say, that's not a British film first, which is uh, Flash Gordon, 1980. Okay. Only reason I'm saying it's a British film because it's got um, a tedious link that the airfield scene was shot in Scotland, uh, in Sky at Broadford Airfield. Um, it was uh, it was one of those things. I was coming up the list, and um, I don't know for some reason I wanted to put Flash Gordon on it because I was I was reminiscing through uh, many years of watching um, films, trying to come up with the list, and uh, for some reason Flash Gordon popped into my head. I know it's not British, but it's got a, a tedious link, so I'm sticking it in there. Yeah, I don't British know. Direct, British director in the end, though, isn't it? So I think that's mm. right. Yeah, you've got yeah, Brian, Brian Blessed in there. You've got exactly. the music. So, Peter yeah. Duncan from Blue Peter. Yep. Uh-huh. So we'll probably, you know. We'll send it off to the appeals court and see what they come back with, but I'm all right with it. It's fine. Yeah, we're me. not going to rake you over the coals on that one. No, not at all. Either way, it's got mentioned. I'd, so I'd, 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 let, I'd let it on Britflix. Cool. Yep. That works. There Good you go. That. So, yeah. <laughs> Judge Layton has uh, said yes. So there we go. You're all right with that one. So, and, Gavin, uh, yep. and just so you know, the, the kind of the backstory on my list was literally I, I 
sat down and and thought what I have watched over the years that I think could be classed as a British film, and that's how this was this was done. It was just films I really enjoyed and think and thought, yep, yeah, that's British. So um, next one, Carry On Camping. I used to love the Carry On films, uh, yep. kind of growing up, and uh, I think Carry On Camping was one of my favourites. So uh, Carry On Camping. Good choice. Yep. Um, just like the boobs. Of course, everybody does. um i've got shaun of the dead okay um i have um it's definitely not one of the best but i've still got fun memories of it dad's army from 1971 oh wow yeah okay yeah um have you um so rob have you checked out the remake for dad's army in fact is anybody is it worth watching I have, and I, I just find it so difficult when they change the actors, um, you know. And you're never gonna kind of the the kind of chemistry that the cast had back in the day. You're never gonna kind of recapture that with just um, putting together some cast for a film. No, but you'd be surprised how many people probably hadn't seen the original Dad's Army, but did True. watch the new one. So mm-hmm. I mean, you can always go back and watch the original one. Yeah. Um. I've got uh, one of the Harry Potter series, which is Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. I have Paddington because it was one of the first movies that I watched with my daughter at the cinema, and uh, we had a really good time watching it. Such a lovely film. I toyed over that one. That was that was that and the second one's run history that could easily have gone in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um. James Bond Goldfinger. Okay. Shout. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, the 1996 Doctor Who film with Paul McGann. Oh, God, yeah. Yep. That's your way to just get Doctor Who in there. If you've got a way to get Star yeah, Trek in this, I'll be quite impressed, Rob. No, unfortunately, <laughs> I haven't. I, I did, I did uh, kind of go over things and, and did uh, eventually think, no, I'm not going to look at all the filming locations for every single movie. <laughs> Um, no, Benedict Cumberbatch, <laughs> Noel Clark, you know. yeah, Patrick yep. Stewart. Yep. Yeah, technically there for Star Trek is now British. Yeah, yep. <laughs> uh, the final one on my list. Um, Twenty-eight weeks later. Yeah. Good. So, would you put that above Twenty-eight Days Later? I do. I prefer the I second do, yeah. one to the first I one. I do prefer the second one. Yeah, because the second one it, for me is just up and running straight, literally from the very beginning of it, and it does not let up until the end. Whereas, obviously, Twenty Eight Days Later is is a slower film, but yeah, still a great film. Exactly. Cool. So, was that ten? It was. Damn, that flew by. Right. Okay. Was that nine? Technical. Did you go through your favorite one ever? Did you go through your number one? Um. Oh, oh sorry. No, I have no, no, it's fine. more about. Keep, keep, oh, keep, no, yeah. no, my list isn't complete. Um, okay. I thought, that's I, uh, not 10. <laughs> the bottom of my document I've got open on my computer was missing. I hadn't scrolled down. Oh. I thought uh, that was a short list. I'm like, there's no way. Did I nod off? I didn't think I did. The film choices weren't that bad, Rob. So I didn't fall asleep or anything. Uh, the final one, a recent movie that um, I did watch um, kind of over the last few weeks, um, Dunkirk. Mm-hmm. Good choice. Yep. yep. My favourite film that I saw last year. Uh-huh. Yep. Good choice. So, uh, where should we go? Bob, let's go for yours. Okie dokie. Right. Again, in no particular order, because trying to put these in, you know, a favourite to a least favourite, 
forget it. You know, yeah. they're all damn good. So um, I'm going to carry on, if you pun, to pardon the pun, um, uh, a theme from Rob's there, and I'm going to throw <laughs> in "Carry On Up the Kyber," oh, which fantastic. was my one of the favourite one. Yeah, my favourite one of the carry ons there. You know, some of the puns in there just epic. Yeah, so I'm sticking with that one as uh, yeah, but it, it does cover all the carry ons really because they were fantastic. Um, I'm then going to throw in one that uh, I'm sure that I'll get some uh, good good coverage from uh, a couple of people here, and that is Tower Block. Yep, because I really loved that. I that loved was one Tower that Block. Yep. you introduced me to, and I thought that was phenomenal. Um, so that's on there. Um, a bit of one out. Kind of out in the kind of left field, as the Americans would say, Stardust. Yeah, yep, still have never seen mm-hmm. that. Still, yep, Neil Gaiman. So, yep, a uh, lot of British cast, etc. You know, so very, very good film. I advise anyone to watch it. It's it's a feel good movie. Um, so we'll move on to one that isn't a feel good movie, and that is Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Oh wow! Okay. Yep. I've got a two for one there because, of course, I like the original TV series as well. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, sticking with those ones. Um, one that got mentioned on uh, Stuart's kind of honorable mentions, I've got in my top 10, which is Lawrence of Arabia. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think that it really is kind of definitive s- cinema. You know, you can't go wrong with it. And you know, when you. That's, em- that's, that's Empire Magazine's number one UK film. Is it? Is it? Wow. Ah. Yeah. yeah. Do you know when you guys watch Lord's Arabia, do you watch it in a one or do you just go, you know what, I'm going to watch it in two parts when the DVD splits or whatever? Um, well, the, my, my DVD forces me to. Yep. But yeah. do you then put the second part straight on or do you go, do you know what, I'm going to have some lunch and come back to it? I, okay. I, I normally have a slight break. Get a coffee, <laughs> go to the toilet, you know, things like that. It's hefty, isn't it? I mean, thank God they probably put an intermission at the cinema. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a hefty so. movie. <laughs> um, another one to throw in there that uh, is sort of indies, I would say, but um, was one of my favourite films a couple of years ago, which is Allies. Uh, war movie, which Stuart knows about, I'm pretty sure. I do, and mm. thank God you've got that on your list, because that was the one that I was talking about <laughs> at the beginning. So, shout out to Dominic Burns and crew. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, one on there that I've gone a bit mainstream on um, is Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Okay. Yeah. It's, it, I know it's mainstream, but it's totally quotable. Yeah, and it's one of those ones you'll always watch again. I will, anyway. The so thing I'm is, you're allowed mainstream, though, because oh, yeah. you know these don't mm. all have to be indie films. I think a lot of mine probably are, just because that's generally the sort of films I watch. But you know, yeah. never apologise for being mainstream. I've, I've actually, I've, I've started for a, an artist who had um, a show in Mayfair that was sort of being British gangster. I did a kind of offshoot of my podcast with that artist of five great British gangster films. And and Lockstock got got included in his five, yeah. and I think it, it, it doesn't matter. I don't suppose it matters whether you like the film or not. It, it's it's a bit like Oasis in a way. It kind of it had a cultural impact. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm. definitely. I mean, like I say, um, it's one of the ones that always gets quoted around the workplace where I 
kind of work. Normally, the Hatchet Harry scene. We won't go into that, though. <laughs> I thought it was going to be the old uh, get your fingers out of my soup sort of thing. <laughs> no, no, Hatchet Harry. Yep. Yeah. And uh, it was considered a good way to go. What's the one that Vast Blackwood says? It's something like, the milk may be sour, but I'm not the sort of pussy to drink it or whatever. There's some... That something like of, that, yeah. Something like that. It's great lines. Yep. So, come down to my last three. Um, one that I really loved, I was introduced to several years ago. Um, probably quite low budget, really, but very enjoyable, was Withnail and I. Okay. Yep. Uh, one that I've always liked. Not exactly a feel-good, but... <laughs> no. But I am finishing on two that I consider feel-goods and sort of comedies. So, um, my second, you know, penultimate one, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Um, to the Tom Stoppard. Say that again. Say that again. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. It, it's a film adaptation of a Tom Stoppard play. Um, oh, okay. Gary Oldman and Tim Roth are the two main characters. Definitely worth watching. What year was, what year was that? that? I've not seen that one. Oh, is that early 90s, late 80s, I think? Or is it like 88 or something? Uh, it, um, you it's know, I'm going to have to check. It's around... <laughs> I, I'm putting my money on 1988 for some crazy reason. I don't know why, but... Uh, I'm aware of the film, and I know that Bob is a big fan of it. 1990, exactly. Oh, two years out. I can call. Yeah. So, yeah. 1990. And then my kind of final one, which um, is always one that I put on... It's one of my feel-goods, so I always put it on as one to kind of relax to, which is a bit odd, considering what it is. And that's Plunkett and McLean. <laughs> Good choice, yep. Yep. So that concludes my ten. That is pretty good. So I will uh, jump in with mine, because I'm looking forward to finding out what Stuart's got. And it's, it's okay. only fair that this podcast be dedicated to Britflix as well. So. <laughs> Very kind of you. <laughs> Uh, number 10, I've gone for 1997's Nil by Mouth, mm-hmm. which, uh, don't ever watch that with kids. That's not, it's, it is Ray Winston at his most Ray winston uh, it's, it's not a date movie, it's not a date oh, movie, is it? Oh God, no, no, it's not. Uh, hey, do you know what, you, re- you look really nice, let's get into a relationship. Shall we go and watch this film? Uh, it's, it's written and directed by Gary Oldman, so, you know, the guy... The guy at the Fifth Element, you like that, didn't you? That Bruce Willis thing. Let's go watch Nil by Mouth. That film is brutal. <laughs> it, it is. I don't even know how you would pitch that one, but just it's it's violent, it's dark, but the performances are spot on. Ray Winston is, as always, perfect. Uh, Kathy Burke, I think, is probably the standout in this film for me, though, as the uh, the poor suffering partner to Ray Winston. But the film is amazing, and apparently. Is it this one that's like semi-autobiographical? It's, it's, his, it's his Gary Oldman's family. So if I Ouch. ever meet Gary Oldman, I'm hugging the shit out of that guy. It's got, seriously, dude, hug, have a hug, because it is, it's a brutal film. But it's very the, uh, the, Kathy, the Kathy Burke quip at the end is about, he's probably with the nonces. He's kind of tonally just one big, one big shift after the kind of beating she's literally had for the film. Yeah. And for her, for her to end on a laugh, yeah, brilliant, I thought. And this film was funded, if I remember rightly enough, it was like Gary Oldman did The Fifth Element so he could get the funding for Nil by Mouth, because it's not the sort of film you can imagine him going into a studio and going, I've got an idea for a movie. It'll make a fortune. 
because it is it is brutal. Yeah, you know, I think I saw. I, I was lucky enough to see um, Gary Oldman do a life in pictures thing at the BAFTA, and it was just wonderful listening to him. And he, yeah, he talked about that. So that's my number ten. That that was added about half past seven tonight. I'm like, right, I'm looking at all the things. Nil by mouth just has to be on my top ten. Number nine, I've kind of cheated a little bit, and it's my one and only cheat. And it's a trilogy of films, and it's the Noel Clark Kidulthood trilogy from 2006, 2008, 2016. Uh, I remember speaking to Noel Clark. I've met him on a couple of occasions, and the last time I spoke to him, I said, "Are you going to do any more Kidulthood movies?" And he went, "Oh God, no." No, not doing anymore. And I do have him on film saying that. And apparently there is going to be like a kiddohood sort of TV series coming out. So I'm quite glad he's uh, he's changing his mind on that. But uh, I mean, I'm guessing, Stu, you've seen all the kiddohood movies. How do you rank them? I, I would put, do, do, do you know I've not? Have you not? Have you seen any of them? No. Wow. They, they passed me by. Oh, oh, damn. I was shocked when you hadn't seen uh, Rosencrantz. I'm like, there's a British film that Stuart's not seen. I was shocked. I'm even more shocked now. You've not seen any horror films. But I, but I have, I have my bias is 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 to horror more than it is just British films. I just started yeah. to do Britflix's podcast. I've only been doing it five years. Yeah, and there are there's more films. I figured when I started doing my podcast and I started focusing on British films more, I didn't think it'd be that difficult because it's like, how many are there? It's not that many British films. I was so wrong, and uh, the output is not decreasing. It's quite the opposite. No, 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 no. And I like to, I mean, this is the like the discussions we're having. He's like, why do the five great British horrors? Like, I love people to come and help me discover things I haven't watched or remind me I've not watched it because that's, we, we, we don't write everything down on the fucking watch list. Oh, God, no. I, I, I do. Just, <laughs> I do. No. <laughs> I, click, I click watch on IMDb when I've looked at it and someone has told me. But I don't go back and look at it. I'm like a, you know, I'm a fool to myself. No, I have a Google Mail spreadsheet and I write down all the films I've seen, where I've watched them, what year they came out, whether I've seen them before. And that helps me do my top 10 things at the end of the year. Otherwise, I wouldn't have a clue what I've seen. So, But I would definitely check out the Kidulthood trilogy. No, 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 no. You'll be aware of them, I'm sure. But Of course, yeah, yeah. But yeah, definitely. They're very good. So next up, I have from 2014, The Governors which I thought was a great film. I, I didn't have high hopes for it. And I was invited to a press screening and it was like, I haven't been to that many press screenings. So it was like a big thing for me to go to. And I'm like, this is amazing. I'm sitting next to this guy from the guardian. This is, this is great. He didn't really watch the film and then slagged it off in a review with about five lines, but that's enough said about that one. Um, and it's, it's a tale of old gangs versus new gang. So you've got Doug Allen who plays this character. who's probably in his, 50s maybe hopefully Doug Allen's not listening he's like cheeky shit I'm actually 42 <laughs> against the younger generation you know the sort of hoodies and and it is it's a great film so I'll check it out where, did, where was the press screening the press screening was when I lived in Northampton they had it in um, in London sort of central London but whereabouts because I was at the press I was at a press screening for governors so were you at were, were we, oh god were we, were, we, um, were we in the same room when that came out Possibly. Was it, was it soul screening? Yes, was it, it was. Screen? Yeah. We were in the same room, Stuart. Because I, I remember, I remember watching... <laughs> my funny story about the governors is I remember watching the film and then I saw a guy who sat in like the front row or whatever and he got up and it was Charlie Palmer who was in the film. And I'm like, 
that fucking guy was in the movie. So I just, I, I, ch- I sort of, well, I didn't chase it, but you know, I followed him and then said, "Can I just borrow you for a minute?" I said, "That was genuinely, that was amazing." And uh, yeah, so I, I met the cast. I was like cloud nine, but yeah, we were in the same room. Oh, that's how bonkers, isn't that? And I thoroughly enjoyed that movie. Not just because I was at a press screening, but you know, I should that, add, that. I should add, so did I. I, I sound like I, don't, I didn't enjoy it. No, I. It's like because there are there is a. I mean, lock, one of the things that Lockstock did. Yeah. And I suppose Green Street added, because you've got the combination of the gangster and the football hooli, is that there's a lot of shite, let's be honest. Yeah, and mm. and the governor doesn't fall into that pile. Did you think it would? I did. Of course I did, yeah. I mean, was, I, had no, I had no other expectations, sadly. But but that's the great thing about, about films, isn't it? You can And, and where, where films can surprise you is always where they'll have the best impact on you. Exactly. I mean, and when, obviously, when you get the press releases through and stuff, they're saying, "Oh, this is the best British film ever, and it's the best British film since Lawrence yeah, of Arabia." Yeah. And you're like, "Yeah, whatever." And uh, you know, this one they, did, they didn't claim that on Governors. Come on, no, no, it's on the poster. <laughs> it's, it's on the poster. And it's but if you look at the Governors, you go, "Right, well, there's nobody in it I've really heard of." If you just watch mainstream films, who's yeah. that guy? Oh, yeah, he's one half of Rizzle Kicks. You go, but this this is not going to be a good film. But it, it kind of blew me away. I was very impressed with it. To this day, I do love it. So uh, that's my number eight. Number seven, everybody on this podcast will probably have seen Layer Cake from 2004. Mm. Bob? Nope. No? My God, it's the film that got <laughs> Daniel Craig Bond. I know. I've Dial. seen various yep. bits of it, but I've never watched it all through. Great film. Really, yeah. really good film. Rob, have you seen Layer Cake? I have. Hey! <laughs> this should be a competition because <laughs> you'd be beating Bob then. <laughs> so, what's your what's your memories of it, Rob? Uh, I can't remember it to be honest. <laughs> oh, you, so, just uh, the, you just remembered the cake part. I, You're like, no, I've, def- cake. I've definitely watched it because, um, well, because I remember I've watched it, but <laughs> it, it was back in the day, and and I've slept since then. Okay, I would hope so. It's like fourteen years, fifteen years. Ago. <laughs> so, uh, my number six is a film, and I put an Instagram post into this on, and loads of people were coming back with very high praise for it. It's a film that should have been watched more, but I don't think it was. Nineteen ninety seven's film called Face, which Robert uh, Carlyle, Robert Carlyle, Phil Davis, yeah, Ray Winston, yeah, yeah. Damon Albarn from Blur, he's in it for some reason. I think the Cool Britannia thing in the end was its own worst enemy when that came yeah. out. Yeah. It was all a bit everybody if you weren't having a if you weren't in the, you know, the mixer in Camden, then you weren't going to see that film. No. Nope. It's a one hell of a film. Yeah. Uh, directed by the late Antonia Bird. And there was a few people on Instagram who said they'd worked with her and you know she was amazing and all that sort of stuff. Mm. She was good. Uh, number five is a film that's already been mentioned uh, but it's fantastic. If anybody's not seen this one you've got to check it out. Easily the best performance by by Ben Kingsley ever, and that's 2000's Sexy Beast. Yeah, that was that was very nearly on mine. If you watch Gandhi and go, that Ben Kingsley's a good actor, isn't he? Then watch Sexy Beast; it'll blow your brains out. It's insane. You've got Ray Winston, who kind of isn't the typical Ray Winston that we've seen in Scum or Nail by Mouth or, or various movies, and you've got Ben Kingsley, who is so far from. Ben Kingsley, but must have had so much fun playing. Easily one of the most scariest psychopaths I've ever seen. Have you seen the episode of Sopranos where they're pouring love on him for his portrayal? <laughs> yes. Yep. It's I'll... it's one of the best where he plays where Ben Kingsley plays himself. I love the Sopranos. 
So, Bob, have you seen Sexy Beast? Nope. nope. That's oh. a new one on me. Oh, you've got to watch it. Rob? Nope, sorry. Don't watch it with your kids. Just say it. <laughs> Just say it. You know. uh, my number four is a film that's also been mentioned on the Honourable Mentions. It's 2004's Shane Meadows film, Dead Man's Shoes. Mm-hmm. Which to this day is a film that every time I recommend it to somebody, nobody has ever come back and said, didn't really like that. Not a fan. Everybody loves it. It's like the British Shawshank Redemption or Leon. You could just go, watch that, you'll like it. They come back and they do genuinely love it. So anybody that's not seen that one, add that to your list. Mm-hmm. That would probably be you, Rob. Yep. Yes. Uh, number three is one of the films that got me into British films in the first place, along with the White Collar Hooligan trilogy. Is uh, 2012's Hard Boiled Sweets, which Ooh. Rob's given a quick mention to. Bob you'll, be f- Bob, you'll be familiar with it. I don't know if you've watched it. I'm not. Are you not I'm familiar not. with Hard Boiled Sweets? Ooh. I'm just looking. I'm, I'm looking up now. I'm gonna. I'm gonna add it to that list on IMDb. It's very good. <laughs> it's set. It might well be set in South End, and it is definitely a British film. But yeah. it's, it is a homage to film noir. You know, so you're you're James Elroy. And it's got Adrian, it's got Adrian Bauer in who's always good value. Yep, Scott Williams, Paul Freeman's in there. A whole bunch. So that is... I can't remember why I picked up the film in the first place, because a lot of the British films... This was before, Ian Hart. Right? Bloody hell. Ian Hart's in there, yep. It's a great cast list, and it's such a wonderful meld of all these different characters who you think, yeah, these stories are all not connected, but as happens in films by the time the end credits roll, all the stories make sense and all the characters have done the thing. Definitely worth checking out. You've sold it to me. I'm dying to see that now. Brilliant. <laughs> me. My work is done. End of podcast. <laughs> uh, number two is 2012. This is one of the other films that got me into British films and focusing on them more. And it's another one where when people find out who's in it, they, they initially went, mm, not really a fan, or how good's that going to be? But then when they watch the film, they go, do you know what? It's really good in that. And it's Deviation by J.K. Amalou starring Danny Dyer and mm. Anna Walton. It's a fucking blinder, that film. It's a fucking and I great think- film. But it, it, you go into it and you go, I hope this is all right. Mm. Because, unfortunately, Danny did do a lot of films that weren't amazing. His yeah, performances was, were okay, I mean, but he was busy working in all sorts of films at that time. Yeah, he was, he was, he was, at, the pin- he was at the height of the bloody... DVD market, and he was very sellable, and he'd just do anything, unfortunately, I think. Now, I interviewed J- I've interviewed JK. Um, I have, yeah. He's a lovely guy. He's based in Chester now, you know. Is he really? I'll have yes. to send, I'll drop him an email. I'm like, oh, you're all about an hour from me. Let's have lunch. Yeah, yeah you should do. A mate of mine hooked up with him because he didn't, didn't realise it either. He was great, and it was, uh, I remember when Assassin was coming out, I kept in touch with JK, and I'm like, how's it going? How's it going? How's it going? You know, I'd keep up to date with the film, but mm. Deviation is fantastic. And Rob, Bob, you've seen that one? Nope. nope. Not is, one yet. It's effectively, Danny Dyer is uh, is kind of crazy in that film, isn't he? He's a, bit a, on, a little bit unhinged, and he, <laughs> he, he, he needs somebody to drive him around, basically. So he holds a woman hostage in her car. And pretty much the entire film is the dialogue between Danny and Anna Walton. She's obviously the hostage, but it's a great little film. Definitely mm. worth checking out. I think it's probably my favourite Danny Dyer role. Well, it would be, because obviously it's number two on my top ten list. So. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely worth checking out. And my number one film, which I think Bob mentioned at one point, 
is from 2006 to this day without when I was putting together this list of top 10 I knew instantly what my number one film would be and it's this one London to Brighton by Paul Andrew yep. Williams good shout I forgot about that film seriously brutal film um, yep. I remember mm. when I sat. Well, I remember when I sat my partner down to watch it years ago, and I said, "Right, we're going to sit down and watch film." And one of our daughters was with us. And I can't remember what age she was. But she was over the age to watch it because she wasn't like seven or something. And there's certain <coughs> scenes in it where you're like, "You please don't show that." And I remember getting a, getting a dagger's look, going, "What the hell are you making me watch?" But then by the end of it, it was like that film was genuinely amazing. I followed Paul Andrew Williams's career since that date and he has not put a foot wrong in everything he's done be it song for marion uh, murdered for being different all sorts of cherry tree lane i'm a big fan of that one as well that very nearly made it on my list but london to brighton without a shadow of a doubt is my favorite uk film ever wow was it? Mm-hmm. good shout though good shout thank you so yeah over to you Stuart. what have you got right well i'm i've I've discovered Letterbox, which is not exactly jumping into the future. Um, but uh, you've got your fancy spreadsheet. I just have my daft memory. So this year I vowed to keep a track of what I've at least watching because I never have a clue. And so I compiled my 10 in, in Letterbox so I could look at them um, while we're doing this conversation. And it, may, it asked me if I wanted to order it, and I ordered it via ratings. So I'm going to do it as, if, as it's rated them because I, I, I didn't want to. So that means that so this is this is letterbox have rated my ten. If that makes sense. <laughs> it's blaming letterbox. So I've, yeah. I've, I've gone I've gone passive aggressive on my uh, decision making. I, I compiled the ten, of course, but it, it, it works out rather neat because my one and two is is actually a double feature, so that's quite cool. Um, right. So there's a clue. Uh, so number ten is Lindy Anderson's If. Yeah. Uh, I was I was really in 1968. I was really lucky this year to have David Wood on to talk about starring that film and working with Lindy Anderson. So it was really fresh in my mind, and I thought I need to give that film a shout out because while I think Stuart, you've covered a lot of what you would call like the modern British cinema, and I think it's, and that's great. I think we we often need reminder there's some fucking blinders that are just great pieces of cinema, and that you know, that are hard to mimic and hard to categorise. And I think that's, I think it's one of them. Um, then 24-hour party people, Michael Winterbottoms. Oh, nice. I knew someone had put that in, so I oh, didn't have it on mine. Ah, okay, cool. Well, I, I have not long since, I've not long since moved to London when this come out. And having spent my entire youth in Manchester City Centre. Yeah. And, you know, obviously hearing the, the stuff of legend and what from the older people. It was, it was just... It was just amazing to watch this. And I watched it in the Curzon Soho, so Shaftesbury Avenue. And at the end of the film, I was kind of like, I didn't say anything, obviously, because why would anybody be interested? But I was like, to my wife, I was going, nobody else in this room understands this as much as I do. Nobody. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like like why this film is brilliant. You know, it just, it just blew me away because I thought never has, a, you know, I grew up with, um, with, uh, the character Steve Cooper with, with I can't remember his name now. Andy Wilson. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, grew, I grew up with Tony Wilson on my Tea Time TV more than I knew he was a record mogul. Yeah. And so that opening scene, you know, doing the sky the, the hang gliding was was my tea time as a as a kid. So to me it all made perfect sense. And I thought it was a great way of telling the story. Um number seven, although if if it was really my system, this would be number one, is Time Bandits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um 
I don't think I've watched the film more than Time Bandits. Um, it's to be to be to be honest with you. And last year, because of the Blu-ray thing, they did that. Was it Arrow? Um, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, they did a they did a Prince Charles screening of it, so I got to sit on the big screen for the first time. How uh, how di- how different was it? To fucking unbelievable! Yeah. I still spotted something, which is like the power of the big screen. I still spotted something that I'd never noticed before, and it's in the opening bedroom scene. There's a fucking paper cutout of Napoleon. <laughs> I'd never seen that on the small screen, and like the camera's panning through the bedroom, and I'm like. There's fucking Napoleon. Because obviously, <laughs> when, when the camera pans on the bedroom floor, you see all the toys from the final scene. Yeah. And, and you get, you know, obviously you have the pictures and all that from, from the beginning bits and that. But I'd never, I'd never tied, I'd never thought about trying to tie it down. I think, oh, there's a, there's a loose thread. But it was just amazing to say, if you look at it, it's like um, a thing you'd measure a kid's height against. It's on the wall. And that's, so that's, that's geeking out of the highest level, I think, isn't it? Um, Number six is uh, Long Good Friday. Great. Um, oh, I can't believe that wasn't on my list. Shit. <laughs> Sorry, um, Bob Hoskins. For two, for two. I mean, if, when you read, I mean, it just it's timeless. I think it's safe mm. to say. Um, and it's the um, it's the magic of seeing London. I think at the yeah. time when it was about to become what London is now, but seeing it frozen in time forever. I just think it's wonderful. Just when, just to watch the film for that reason alone Great is. Um, yeah. um, this is this is this is a film I watched a long time ago and then never saw again till last Christmas. Not the one just gone, 2017's Christmas. Somebody bought me the Blu-ray of Sidney Lumet's *The Offence*, which oh, yeah. is just a phenomenal piece of work. Is that a Sean Connery one? Yeah, yeah, it's the one. I he, thought so. I've heard of it. It's the, it's the one he got as a reward, and then he never got rewarded again because they were like, "The fuck you making us make this for?" <laughs> yep. Because it because it made like shit all money, but it's just I don't know if any have seen it. No, I haven't. No. Sorry. It's it's um it's it's Sean Connery. The you know it's it's the it's the trope of the uh, cop working you know against the rules and all that, but it's it's the idea of trying to catch a child killer. In like small town seventies Britain, and so it's just a, it's just one man's, yep. it's just one man's paranoia, and it's told in reverse. It sort of starts you at the end, and then unpacks that end scene for you through what, how we got to that point. And then I guess this is almost like a trilogy now because of uh, my number five is Get Carter, um, nice. which is just, I mean, I, I think it's. Perfect. And I tell you what's interesting watching, and and I can't prove any of this. Obviously, this is this is just conjecture and and opinion. So I'm not legally saying anything to get us in trouble. But if you look at the big, if you remember, I don't know if you, what you remember at the beginning, it's a load of CD MPs and business people and nobility or whatever watching child porn in it yeah. at the beginning, which is obviously the setup for where the film goes. Now that film was made in what 73, 74, 71, I think. 71, mate. Yeah, sorry, 71, yep. you're right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and you think of, like, Savile and Utree and all that stuff that we've had in recent years. That whole scene made such made, look so different when you watch it with those eyes. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you, and you think that maybe maybe the, the writer and director, that was, you know, as much as, you know, when people talk about, oh, we all knew about Savile anyway, you're like, maybe this is the kind of thing where this film reflects something that you weren't allowed to say. I don't know. Just a theory, not a, not proof of it, not a proof of anything. 
In other words, allegedly, at the end of it, you can get away with anything, can't you? Four <laughs> is my is. Uh, I wanted to get Mike Lee in, so I got naked because that's the oh, uh, great. That's yeah. that's the edgy. That's the edgy one, um, and it's it's. I mean it. It's genuinely nihilistic, isn't it? I think naked, like it like is. like very few films ever achieve. It sort of, it goes nowhere, but you go with it. It's kind of like you know, you go. It's a great film. And you go right. What's it about? And you go. I don't know really. It's just like it's about David Thewlis, <laughs> just yeah. just bumping into various different people and having conversations. But it's a, but it's a man but who's raped. It's, it's a man who's raped a woman and has run off to London to get away with it. Yeah, that's the story. I mean, that's. Horrible, and I also think if you watch—I mean, we've always known that rape's bad, but I think you know when you watch Naked the first time, it was late eighties, I think, wasn't it? You you mm. watch it, you go, oh, he's run away. You watch it through eyes post the Me Too movement and stuff. You're like, that guy's horrible. Shoot him, kill him, get rid of him. Yeah, there's no you there's no anti-hero status you can attribute to him at all. Not at all. But the film is—it's amazing. It's one of his best performances, I think, David Hewlett. Right then, my my number three is actually. I mean, it's weird because the way the, again because I say letterbox did it, not me. My my last three are all horrors. Ooh. So two thousand. This is my newest film, I suppose, on my list as well. Two thousand and five's The Descent. Nice. Yeah. Yep. Is, is my number three. I I learned from one of the producers of that that the the, the Australian film Long Weekend. Are you familiar with that one? Yes. Long Weekend apparently was a was an influence on the development of um, Long Weekend. I'm trying to find my note about it, which I can't find, which is making me mad. Anyway, yes, <laughs> he told me that, and I was like, "Wow, that blows my mind." But it does; it makes a lot of sense because obviously the descent is about is about making because uh, it's. The descent, the descent does that brilliant thing of it's grounded in reality and what we're familiar with, but also it makes the wilderness into a supernatural presence because it's wild and then introduces something that is just genuinely horror and, and otherworldly and dreamlike and stuff. And do not bother with a descent part two. Just no, you can no, you no. can you can skip it. It's fine. Just it's yeah, I, film I don't I, I, I don't think Neil Marshall had anything to do with that, did he? Really? No, he didn't. No. No, he just apart from the name that comes before two. Yes. Right then, um, my number two was number two to my number one when it was released. Um, yep. It went out as a double feature with, um, and it's The Wicker Man. Wow. Yep. Uh, which, if if any of you were in the sleepy queue for Fright Fest back in, I'm going to see if someone's answered me actually. I don't. I think it's 2011. I don't know if any of you are familiar with the idea of the Sleepy Queue at Fright no. Fest. What no. is a Sleepy Queue? Educate me on a Sleepy Queue. The Sleepy Queue doesn't exist anymore because the internet no. broke it. But before no. the internet oh. and you could buy and you could buy tickets, there used to be a queue forming in Leicester Square the night before the tickets went on sale for the weekend tickets. So people used to sleep out in Leicester Square overnight waiting for the ah. tickets to be released so they could get their front row seats and all that kind of stuff. So that yeah. was called the Sleepy Queue. And every Sleepy Queue, Fright Fest would always reward those Sleepy Queue people who've shelling out their 150 quid or whatever on their weekend passes with a, a cinema ticket there and then. And I think it was 2011 where they rewarded us with a double bill of The Wicker Man and Don't Look Now as, it, as, as was released. Good so you went, and, yep. you went and got your ticket for Fright Fest and then you were able to watch if you wanted to. 
I never I never did the sleepy queue in the sense of I never got there earlier than about half past six in the morning, which is still pretty ridiculous to be going queuing <laughs> for a place that doesn't open till eleven. Yeah, um, and it was fun because it's camera. I met people in that sleepy queue that I'm friends with now and see every year at Frightfest. Nice. That's bon- I mean, I find that bonkers. But yeah, so Wicker Man is is amazing. I've seen it on the big screen. I've seen it on the big screen twice now. Um, I was lucky enough to watch it with Robin Hardy at a show in Walthamstow, where, near where I live. And he he was sat next to me and was nudging me, telling me which were your favourite bits, which I'll never forget. Because my, tw- my 21-year-old self will not believe, could not believe that would have ever happened, but it did. It's like, you know, you look back on that and you go, how crazy is that? You're sitting next to the guy who made The Wicker Man and he's going, I like that bit. It's meant, it's mind blowing, isn't it? Stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, like an annoying mate who's seen the film before you. Yeah? He was that, but it, but he got away with it, obviously, because Robin Hardy. Because <laughs> he made the film. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's like the one person you wouldn't go. Can you just shut up? I'm trying to watch this. God's sake! Obviously, obviously, there's a lot of clues in what I've said. My number, the number one, according to, um, according to Letterbox and me, is Don't Look Now. Yeah, which is a weird film. Great film, but it's weird, isn't it? Well, I mean, it's weird in the sense of how it how it pans out, but it's. It, I'm a man. I'm a man that's obsessed with 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 religion, even though I'm not religious. Um, I've made a short film about it. I've done lots of research into it, and I find the whole idea of belief messy, like a moth to a flame to it, really. And um, and Don't Look Now obviously is about you know the skeptic and the believer and yeah. she she wants to talk to the dead child and he doesn't believe he can and. Obviously, he has to go through that sceptical curve to become the believer. And it's horrible when he does believe because it's not nice. Now, have you seen Don't Look Now, Bob? I haven't, but it's a... You, you're aware of it, It's Sutherland one, isn't it? It's Donald, Donald Sutherland, who I know you're a big fan of. Yep. Exactly. I mean, it's Nicholas Rowe directed it, so it's just, you know, it's, it's a work of art, you know, in, in many yep. senses. Yeah. Uh, there's some good films on these lists. <laughs> Rob, you must be uh, writing them furiously down. You're going to spend the next eight months watching them now, aren't you? Probably. You give me what's, two the, what's the much overlap there? <laughs> Between the four lists, was the much overlap? I don't think so. No. That's, that's mental. Isn't it? You know, you would expect, you know, everybody would probably have Get Carter, Train Spotting, uh, you know, that sort of thing on there. Yeah. But mm. we, I think that was a pretty diverse uh, oh. sort of. Rich. When you think about it, everyone had a different approach to how it was done. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, like you say, the, you're going to have different ones on. There'll be overlapping, like say, honourable mentions and what have you. But yeah, mm. I mean, as we've been talking, I thought of another film that I should have put on. <laughs> what was it? Fifty First State. Yes, great film. Mm. Take care of him. I told you, take care of him, not take care. When I said, of him. take care of him. I didn't mean <laughs> take care of him. Pretty much anything with Robert Carlyle, I think, should yeah. go on the list. Uh, what's the, the one he played when he was a barber? Is it Bar- Legend of Barney Thompson or something? That's a great, weird film. If you've not checked that out, he's an he's a accidental murdering barber. Ooh. As, a, as, a, as a Liverpool fan who grew up in Manchester with a Scouse dad, <laughs> the, the scene where they go into a Man United pub is just, yes. friggin', just friggin' amazing for with me. With the flair. Yeah. It just is. Just it's like it's like a wild fantasy. <laughs> I, I love oh. um, uh, I, I love the scene. Oh crap! What's he? What's he called? Um, Iggy, the guy who plays Iggy. 
can't remember. I can't remember That's which while character since Iggy it. is. So while since I've seen it. So who's oh. Iggy? Explain Iggy's what Iggy does. The, Iggy's the guy that they end up um, approaching. He's basically the fixer in Liverpool. Um, and he, it's basically, uh, he's the one that runs the nightclub and, you know, the one. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, so it's not Reece Iffens. That's it, Reece Iffens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I love, love that film. Again, That's totally great. quotable. Definitely. Yeah, the, so- the whole thing about the dog's bollocks. <laughs> dog's bollocks. Indeed, Why indeed. Sam Jackson ended up wearing a... Bollocks. <laughs> Sam Jackson in a kilt, meatloaf yeah. exploding, all sorts of weirdness going on there. Exactly. Very strange film, but very good. So I could have easily done like a top 50. I don't know about you. I know I'm pretty sure Bob did do a top 50. Ah, uh, 30. <laughs> 30. But it's... I don't know. I, I need to watch more British films, but as you'd mentioned, Stuart, and I'll, I'll, I'll definitely not disagree with. There's a lot of freaking awful ones out there. Yeah, it's, um, it's hard work. I mean, sometimes they're awful because they're awful. Sometimes they're awful because they don't have enough money to make them better than they are. I don't. I don't know what it is, but because um, there used to be this stigma when I used to tell people, "Oh, I, I love British films," they go, "Oof." Not very good, though, are they? Or you would tell them a film, and then they would ask you to pitch it to them, and you go, right, it's this British film, and their, their sort of face would frown. they go, yeah. oh, British films aren't very good, though, and then you'd hit them with a London to Brighton or a face or a nil by mouth or whatever it was, and then you've pretty much won them round pretty damn quick. But, you know, and this is people in Britain who yeah. don't mm. seem to support their own film industry, which kind of blows my mind. I don't really understand that mythology, but... Well, I mean, but also, you, I think we... We're obviously more interested in the most to even look out for films. Full story, even on a podcast would, would suggest that. And too, too many people just want just want a film when they want to watch it. It isn't, and, it, and and unfortunately, I think the way distribution works certainly now, it's just a lot harder to see to see what to know what's happening with new British films. I don't think it's hard to see them because obviously many of them drop on Amazon Prime and Netflix like there's no tomorrow and. You can flick around Asda and Tesco's and pick up any any of the kind of your white collar hooligan type movies. They all yeah. they all appear in those places, so they're not hard to get. But it's it's hard to know they exist is the problem. Whereas obviously we're more than aware that the seventy millionth Star Wars is coming, or the <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. or whatever Marvel universe is happening, or whatever. Um, and that's the hard thing I think for most. Because I think you know you look at I mean te- if if I Going to my Time Bandits, for example, was the top ten UK box office of the year in 1980, mm-hmm. and it was in America as well. And you like you think that's a British movie, like there's an unequivocally British, and and it's an odd movie. It's not got any IP attached to it. <laughs> you know, it's just that would be so accurate. I'm just trying to sell that now. <laughs> it's bizarre, isn't it? Mm. But yeah, but that. I mean, I- I tend to find most of my British film recommendations from my own Twitter feed, basically. Mm. So I'll see somebody mention, you know, share a trailer or a poster, or somebody will say, "Oh, I've just, um, you know, I've, I've auditioned for such and such a film and I've got the role," and then that film will then go onto my radar, and I'll just follow it through. Um, you know, David Hughes, who did Hard Boiled Sweets, 2012. Not too long after that, he started talking about this film called Viking Destiny. And that just came out last year. So, uh, and I've been aware of it for years. So, as a film fan, it's painful 
because you're like, I want it now. I don't want to wait mm. five, six years. But it takes time for these films to be made, so you've got to be patient. And now that I've watched Viking Destiny, which is also of Gods and Warriors, I'm like, brilliant, right, what's next? But I know it's going to be another few years before the next David Hughes film comes yep. out. So it's like, oh, so sometimes it's we do a service, I think, to fans of British films, which is great, and, you know, you're welcome. But it's kind of hard work because we've got to do all the uh, the waiting around for them to come out. Can I, can I, add, can I add another couple of um, outliers that should have made it? Because I just as we're talking, yes. yeah, of course, yeah. Jared Jared Johnson's Hyena and Tony. Hyena's both. amazing. Yeah, again, they're two films that just you know they 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 were well, Tony was impossible to market. It's a Dennis Nielsen type movie, isn't it? Um, I I haven't seen that. But, I'm not uh, familiar with that one. Yeah, it's all shot around the streets of Dalston. Um, ostensibly, it's a... I think it just dropped on Netflix or Amazon. It's on one of them. I noticed it had come up. Okay. Um, it's fun. It's only like 75 minutes long or something. About some some hopeless um, hopeless uh, job seeker uh, living on a council estate, getting bullied because he's a loner and they just think he's a nonce. And really, he's a serial killer. So you have it, a nice, have a nice just, double bill with that and hyena. You're going to be in a world oh, yeah. mood, aren't you? <laughs> and it's the same. It's the same. It's the same actor, Peter uh, Ferdinando. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He plays the bike, Michael in hyena. He also plays the lead, the, the lead role in um, in Tony. He plays Tony. Is that Tony with a Y? I'm guessing because it's a male. Tony with a Y. Oh, this is a little bit of a spoiler, but but Tony manages to make you feel sorry. For, a, for someone you know who's killing innocent people when he gets picked on at the job centre. Right. You feel every sympathy with him <laughs> over what he's getting picked, what, what he's being forced to do, i.e. get a job. Because, because, because of the way they're treating him and the way he's acting. Yet you also know he's killed innocent people. And I, and I think the fact that a film can make you do that is, is lovely. And obviously I'm not, I'm not obviously condoning... Uh, Serial killing. No, serial really. killing. Just just <laughs> the idea that a film could trick you into that kind of different emotion. I wouldn't have thought he'd put it down in a CV or anything. So what are you qualified to do? Well, I'm pretty good with a switchblade. You know, I can uh, get rid of a body with cling film. But oh, well, I'll check out Tony. No, no, it's good. It's worth it. And it's all, I mean, if you've ever been around, I mean, I, I don't live too far from Dalston, so it's like, it's it's really interesting. Again, it's that thing about our film, when it, sh- when it shows an area, it sort of was shot just before a huge push of gentrification happens. So it's a kind of what Dalston was is captured and captured in that film forever. I thought of a couple of Scottish films that I should have mentioned that were originally on my longer list of honourable mentions, and that is Ned's, if you've not seen that one, the Peter Mullen directed film, mm-hmm. and The Wee Man. Yep. Uh, and I like, also... I like, the, uh, oh, go on. I was just going to say, I like Gregory's Girls if, we, if we're pulling Scottish ones in. And we're going we're gonna to flip back to England, and there's a, an amazing film. It stars uh, Martin Compton, uh, Craig Conway, Sean Pertwee, and I've forgotten her name, for God's sake. She was in EastEnders for a while, but I've forgotten her name. And it's called Four. And it's yeah. it's all set in a warehouse, and it is amazing. It's really, mm. really good. And I spoke to uh, Craig Conway about it after I'd watched it, and he said that they would love to come back and, like, those four people come back and do something else. It has a very stage play feel to it, but it's it's amazing. So check that one out. That mate, you reminded me then of um, <coughs> Disappearance of Alice Creed. Oh, that's good. Yep. See, that's another one I'm good to them. Eddie Marsden um, and and Comston. 
and uh, Gemma Anderson, uh, Anderson isn't it? Yes. And the interesting story about that is he, when, the, when he was writing that movie, he, he wrote it because he got so fed up of funding falling through. He wrote it so he could shoot it in his house, in his flat. <laughs> so if you've, I don't know if you've seen the film, it's all set in a tower block flat. And then he got funding from Isle of Man. And rather than rewrite it, he completely modelled his own flat on a soundstage in the Isle of Man. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> it is a hell of a film, though. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is. It is the classic. Or in that, that the you know, they always try and tell you to try and make for, for saving money, make your film contained, and that does does so much with just what is essentially a living room and a bedroom. I'm about fifty percent through a script that I'm writing where it's all set in one hotel room, so I know exactly what they mean. <laughs> and it, uh, yeah, you, you've got to write it so it would cost virtually nothing to film. Have you have you seen just as a digression? Have you seen Richard Linklater's tape? Uh, no. Check that one out. That's all about one girl turning up at a hotel room and what transpires after she turns up and it doesn't really? leave the hotel room. If, if I watch that film and I'm like, that's my script, I'm going to be well pissed off with, with Rick. <laughs> well, that's finish, happened finish, before. Finish, that... finish your script first, then you yeah, know you didn't, and then watch it. Yep, I will. That's happened before. Years and years ago, I decided to write a film and then fucking Demolition Man came out and I'm like, God damn it! That was the that was the kind of the story that I was going to write. And then I started writing another one about this uh, hitman that went back to his class reunion and fucking Gross Point Blank came out and I'm like, <laughs> I give up. I'm not I'm not writing anything anymore. I've had enough. So <laughs> I, I stopped for about a decade. But, uh, yeah, there's so many. You sort of, you hear people's lists and then you go, Oh, well, I forgot about this one. So well, can I kind of jump in on that one as well? And uh, <laughs> yes. actually, what should have made uh, probably. The top of my list, actually, is um, The Girl with All the Gifts. Oh, yes. Uh, I think I've mentioned this one on the podcast before. Why should it make the list, Rob? Well, for me, um, part of it was Shot in Stoke. I've mentioned it on uh, previous podcasts. Um, But it's such a good movie. Um, You know, this um, kind of post-apocalyptic kind of world filled with zombies and um, there's this one girl who um, pretty much has the the cure um, to uh, to not being able to be turned Um, but because it was kind of set in places that I know when I've kind of grown up around um, it makes the movie even better but it is such a good movie it's one on my very long list of films to check out over the next 20 years or whatever. <laughs> if we're allowed TV movies, uh, there's two. Kathy Come Home, which is uh, from years and years ago, which I watched last year for the first time. And Threads. If you've never seen Threads, my God, watch that. It'll, uh, it don't do a right lot for the Sheffield tourist industry, but or Nuclear War for that matter, but it's one a hell of a powerful <laughs> film. That's cool. That thread has appeared a few times on people's five Great British Horror films, funny enough. I can believe it. Have yeah. you not watched that one? Have I? Yeah. Oh, no, I, I watched it at the time. It was a kid. So scary as shit, weren't it, at the time? Because you then went to school the day after going, uh-huh. <laughs> when, when I was, going, when I was, gonna die. Oh, my God. Terrific. When I was 10, I asked my mum, are we going to die when they blow up the world? And mum went, they're not going to blow up the world. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then you watched threads and you're like, Mum, I think you might be a little bit uh, off the mark there. No, I, I saw that when I was, I think it's 85, 86 it came out. So I was like 14, 15. So I was mm. at school and it was some scary shit. Because it was on BBC. You know, mm. BBC TV, you put it on and, oh, now we're going to show threads. 
oh, this will be a good film. Whoa, very disturbing. But uh, and I think that got Blu-ray reissued pretty recently as well. So with a 2K print, so hopefully it looked better. But it was good. So any other films, Bob, that have sprung to mind? We like, oh, I'd forgot about that one. Nope. Oh, I think I'm quite happy with the ones I've thrown in. I put in enough. <laughs> Are there any that we've talked about where you you're you're not a fan? Because it's not everybody is a fan of the the same films that we are. So a lot of people I know aren't a fan of the the Range Rover hooligan Essex boys type movie. I'm a fan of a lot of them, but not necessarily all of them. Well, but, I'm not a great fan of those, but I, I love. I mean, one that should have been perhaps brought up was um, the spoof one on that Hooligan Factory. How did you guess? <laughs> <laughs> great film. Yeah. Yep. So again, you know, um, I, I'm one that. Uh, I, I know Stuart's into his kind of horrors and what have you. I tend to be more of your feel goods and your comedies, but so that that's kind of my thing. So yeah. <laughs> but you watched, and I introduced you to. I've introduced you to quite a lot of them, but I, I remember you watched. I think it was the first Rise and Fall of a White Collar Hooligan, and I think you quite enjoyed that one. I don't know if you oh, progressed yeah, to the second bad. one though. No, I didn't forget. Didn't progress to the second, but no, it's okay. Some yeah. people didn't progress to the first, which is a shame because <laughs> it is quite a good film. I just think a lot of people see the word hooligan in the title and they go, yeah. you know, I've seen Green Street or I've seen The Football Factory. I don't need to see anything else. But a lot of these films are not the way that the, the sales companies. Well, this is it. The marketing's done wrong. <clears throat> yeah. Because there there's a couple of films that have come out. There's one called Undercover Hooligan and uh, there's another one called Hooligan Legacy, and both of those are decent thrillers. They don't really have any hooligans in them. So as far as I could tell, it's the sales company that went, if you put the word hooligan on it, people will buy it. And, you know, filmmakers are in it to A, make the films, and B, make money so they can then make more films. So, you know, if somebody comes to me saying, if you change your hotel room thing to Hotel Hooligan, we'll give you 100 grand. They'll be like, all right, (laughs) it's fine by me, because I can then go off and make another film, but... So yeah, it's it's interesting how a lot of these films are marketed. I was going to say, can I can I just kind of retract my last statement and say I've just thought of another one that should have been on there. You could say that, yep. Kingsman. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. The first one, yeah. not the second. The second one, not good. Not as good. Oh. First one's much better. Oh. <laughs> There's tons. You could literally just we could sit here and just keep rattling them off. The mean did with Vinnie Jones. Did you ever see um, ID2? Yes, I did. Uh, I don't know what... I, I remember watching it, and it certainly isn't as good as ID, the first one, because I love the first one. That was one of the, the pinnacle British films at the time. You know, your Shallow Graves and your your IDs and all that sort of Hard Men, which is another the J.K. Amalou film. Mm. You had all those coming out. Um, and ID2, I did watch, but I can't remember enough about it. I, I don't think I hated it. If no, that well, no, that that suffered from trying to. I mean, it didn't suffer for me, but it suffered in no. terms of its of its received audience. You were talking about the marketing and selling of a film. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. it doesn't it, with, with the kind of the the, the, the nurtured audience that, that that cottoned on to ID, which is what ninety five. Yeah, yeah which is which. If you think, I mean, in a way, that kind of was the kind of. I mean, I know that what's you called um, the TV movie with uh, Gary Oldman, The Firm, was I suppose yeah. the original, but. But I suppose in terms of film ID set a trend that you know your your satire thingy hooligan what do you call it the the, the comedy one the, the hooligan factory 
Yeah, the hooligan factory is like the, the you know, it's like the the the, the, the peak. If it IDs the peak, then the hooligan factory is the trough. You know, in terms of the journey, it's, <laughs> it's gone on. And that, I don't mean to denigrate hooligan factory. No, it does no, what not it does. at all. It does what it does. But um, but ID two is very clever, and what it covers, you know, it goes, it does, it does East London, does gentrification, does rise of Muslims, and all that kind of stuff. But the 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 online responses to the movie, they didn't want that. The the people just wanted knuckle draggers kicking people's heads in. They didn't yeah, they want wanted. they didn't want to know about the nuance of of a football club and clash of cultures. They wanted, they wanted Gumbo back again, didn't they? <laughs> well and Gum, Gumbo's Gumbo's in it and he it's is, great. He is. Yep. And but it's it's it, 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 the, what's he called? Um Vinny O'Connell who wrote the wrote both of them. You know, he was I think he tackled it, it, it and there was serious stuff in the first one. I mean, I think losing your mind, going undercover, is a fairly serious thing to cover in a movie. But in this one, it, it sort of takes that idea again of the undercover cop. As I, I mean, it has a great intro where you've got an undercover Asian cop getting pulled up by a couple of white cops outside an Asian off-license. Yeah. And, then, and, and he plays it like, that, like the shopkeeper knows he's a cop, but the coppers don't know he's a cop. And it's a wonderful character. It's a wonder, like introducing the character and stuff. Um, and it's I guess the, the, there's, there's I guess there's an inherent racism in in how people wanted the film to be because they weren't willing to accept that an Asian Brit could infiltrate a football gang. I need to go back and watch that because I watched it once when it was released and I'd, I'd totally forgotten the film existed until you mentioned it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no it's, it's it's much. I think it's much. I mean, it's not, is a perfect film, Benish Church, yeah. but. Um, and it, and it, but it's it's full of brilliantly good ideas, and I think it's 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 definitely worth a watch. Anyway, how did you feel about the the follow up to the rise of the foot soldier, which I prefer number two to number one? I'm 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 going to have to. I'm not as big a fan. John, who runs the website, absolutely adores them all, and you know, right. bonded by blood. I'm not. It isn't. It isn't. I've had a couple of them on podcast, but um, I. I some, for me, a lot of them then then they don't seem to be made by people that like film. Is is the problem I have with them? Yeah. It's not about I don't mind violence and all that kind of stuff. Um, I thought the first one had some good stuff in it, but if I remember, right, I'm trying to think now. Because um, there's a lot, isn't there? I think there've been like 14 films that deal with mm. the Essex murders at some point. It's it, there, yeah, are too, it, there are too many of them, but some of them are actually quite good. And I, I think Rise of the Foot Soldier, the first one, deals with it. Well, yeah, that 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 uh, kind of that transition between have a go hooligan to serious crime is 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 an interesting story for one to tell. I just think I just think often they're quite and and you can and often you can see them straining their budget to the point that you've got like here's the prison scene and it's just basically my living room with a bunk bed <laughs> in, with a bunk bed in it and, and and ambient lighting, you know. And you kind of go, you didn't need that bit. You could have done that somewhere else if the you know. But it's like the imagination is not there. I think sometimes if you look at film, I mean, actually, I want to mention from last year that I probably slap myself now for not mentioning is uh, Simon Rumley's Crowhurst, um, which which is which was the um, low budget version of what uh, Colin Firth was in. The Mercy was the big studio release mm-hmm. about a guy called Crowhurst who tried to sell on the world in the late sixties and disappeared basically died um and it's it's an i mean the the, the crowhurst one by simon rumley is a very low budget film but it's it's chock full of imagination on how to make a film in, and, it, and it's also exec produced by nick rogue i think it's the last thing he was involved with before he sadly passed at the end of this year 
so many good films. Poor old Rob's like, I don't have enough time to watch all these. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll get around to it. What's your so, Rob? You've been introduced to a whole new set of films since mm. you started coming on the podcast more and more. Uh, what what would your definitive genre of British films be? Um, I'm not sure. Um, I can really say I've got one um, because. I think the whole thing about being on the podcast um, and something I've tried to take away from it is kind of pushing myself to uh, to look at new genres that I've never maybe would have considered um, before. So kind of watching um, Of Gods and Warriors and then um, reading your personal review of it and the mention of hard-boiled sweets um, to then go and look at hard-boiled sweets, which I never would have done um, probably a few years ago. Um, and then sitting down watching that, really enjoying it. You know, that's um, that's the thing. It's 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 kind of pushing the boundaries and, and moving on to new stuff. So uh, I'm not going to say I've got a definitive one because um, you know it can be anything. Well, we we know that you like science fiction. Yes. So let's each of us give you a British science fiction film to watch <laughs> that you may not have seen. So I'm going to jump in with Neil Marshall's Doomsday, which is a wonderful sort of love letter by neil marshall to the films like escape from new york and mad max but it's okay. set in, in britain so doomsday so bob what would you uh what sci-fi film would you fire at rob Ooh, um go on i'm gonna go old style quite a mass okay i've not seen that myself well ah, there you go old tv okay. series that we came on and what about you, Stuart? Any sci-fi well, ones that spring to mind that you'd uh, recommend Rob watches? Well, I hadn't thought about it, but you, you, there's, there's obviously quite a mass in the pit, which is, that was the movie, wasn't it, of, that was born out yeah. of the TV series. Yeah. And that, that, again, that one's come up a lot on the five great British horror films, so I suppose I should, I should, should recommend that because it comes recommended to me. <laughs> Good choice. So I, think, I don't know. I think genre-wise, to me, I think thrillers. Can we can we change yours out, Stuart? By the way, what do you mean change it out? Just because I've seen it. Have you seen Doomsday? I okay. have indeed. Well, um, I'm going to steal. I'm stealing one off Rob's of uh, Bob's list. I'm going to give you a split second. Okay. Star, starring Rutger Hauer yep. and uh, Taggart's partner, whoever that was. Neil. Um, oh, yeah, Neil, Neil I always remember him as Taggart's partner, the dark-haired yeah. one. Grant, Ian Dury. So, yep. there you go. But yeah, I think my favourite genre would be the dark thrillers. So, your, your London to Brighton's, your Nil by Mouths, your Governors, all that sort of stuff. So, but, mm. uh, did you did you watch you, you Were Never Really Here last year? I did not. Nope. That nope. Is, that's Lynn Ramsey going like full on. I love, I love Lynn Ramsey. Well, it's full on Lynn Ramsey for. Uh, um, tackling the idea of what you do with people that are damaged by war, and then we pick up the story of a guy who's a hired hand to kill the bad guys, and then he gets duped, and then he goes on the on the rampage to get the bad guys. I think you've been sold at Lynn Ramsey. I've been a fan of her since <laughs> Ratcatcher. Other than the scene when she uh, when somebody. Oh, this is more. Like, this is like this is like her doing. This is when she goes. She's got full taxi driver, I think, with this one. Oh wow! Okay. I'll check that out. Just there's not enough there's not enough time in the 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 week month year to watch. I could actually just watch UK films all year round, and still not have enough time to watch them. It's that's the one thing that I don't like 
about what I do with British films is I've just not got enough damn time to watch them all. <laughs> and it pains me because I want to watch them all. It's hard work. I'm quite sanguine now about it. I've realised we, 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 we live in an age where there's so much that's gone before us. I mean, I'd be interested to know, I think, is it, is it uh, Bob, are you like more familiar with kind of the Powell and Pressburger end of things and stuff? Of, of British cinema was that some is that because does that do you, do you cover that in terms of your what you what you can see as far as good films? Um, I don't know. No, I, I tend to. I, I've got quite a um, an open mind, hmm. um, but I'm also probably the oldest here. So. <laughs> right. No, it's just with with Stuart saying older films earlier on. I thought because that because I noticed that's one because when I was going, I've only seen. Um, Oh, Christ, I forgot the name now. Um, what's the one with uh, David Niven as the uh, the fighter pilot? Oh, um, yeah. It's not Heaven Can Wait. It's, um, oh, uh, yeah, I know the one you mean. Yeah, yeah. Heaven's Gate no, or something daft like that. Or, yeah. yeah. That kind of thing. I, I've not watched enough of those. Um, mm. So I, I, that's where I need to sort of play catch up. I mean, I see, I think, I guess Third Man, that's, that's a big British yeah. film from that period, isn't it? Blue Lamp, that's another one. I haven't seen Red Shoes. Have everybody seen Red Shoes? I was looking through like what uh, what's defined as being the best British cinema. I was looking at what what like the the consensus is, and I was looking at all the the kind of classics, and I realised I'd not seen many at all. Um, no, too many films, not enough time. <laughs> too many films, too many too many songs, too many bloody books. Yep. I'm just too many. Too many online screeners. I, I'm so not a fan of online screener links. I hate them because well, I don't especially... like what I don't like watching films at a computer. Ah, uh, like true. Not mm. a fan. I would rather have the actual physical disc and watch it on my, my 4K telly downstairs without yeah. glitchy internet and stuff. So, but uh, yeah, I think it's safe to say that there are quite a lot of British films out there, and we've gone through a pretty hefty list of really, really good ones. Uh, I haven't heard anybody mention a film that's crap, so I will happily uh, recommend every single film that's been mentioned on this podcast. <laughs> so if any poor sods want to write them all down and, uh, and watch them, then that's that's pretty much your year's viewing sorted, I think, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, I could, I'll, t- I'll tweet you my... As, as Like I said, I've jumped into the future today, so I'll send you the link to my list mm-hmm. on Letterboxd, and then you've got my ten. Definitely. Because what I'm going to start doing is uh, there's a Facebook group called The Geek House. All one word, no spaces, nothing. And I've started running that alongside the podcast. So I'm going to be, over the next week or two, sharing the trailers for all our choices in The okay. Geek House. So people can actually click and watch the uh, watch the trailers and stuff. So Sweet. Cool. That will be good. So if uh, Rob and Bob, if you could send me your list at some point, then uh, or just post the trailers in the geek guys, it's fine. You can do, do the work for me. I don't care. <laughs> then uh, everybody could see what the hell we're talking about, and hopefully, even if are we people... allowed to post our lists? Yeah, of course you are. Yep. Excellent. Yes, I posted my uh, awards list at the end of the year uh, on the website. Yep. I think I left it about a week after I'd actually done the podcast, but I've got quite a few new followers. Uh, Matt Goss is now following me, so Excellent. I have Matt Goss and Luke Goss now following me. That's kind of weird. Uh, Ian Beatty from Game of Thrones and Of Gods and wow. Warriors started following yeah. me today, so I'm quite happy with that. So I will add him to my Of Gods and Warriors list, to which I have many. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I mean, that's I mean, you've just basically picked up on what was the finale of 2018, was the TV premiere of 
after the screaming stops or whatever it was oh, called, the Bross documentary. Was, that blew me away, that documentary, and it shouldn't have. <laughs> and it was, I even put it in the review saying, you know, I'm not anti-Bross. I didn't hate them or anything, but I wasn't a fan. I knew who they were. I heard some of the songs. But yet the Twitter feed started lighting up after these screenings started before it was on TV about everybody watching it. It was so emotional, this, that, and the other, and thought, I'm going to check that out because I quite like... I felt the same with the Amy Winehouse documentary. I'm not an Amy Winehouse fan, but that documentary is amazing. And now I've become a little bit more of a fan of Amy Winehouse after watching that documentary. And the same for the Bross documentary. It I is, thought, it's, it's amazing. I think, the, I think the Bross documentary knew there'd be a lot of sneering faces... Yeah. Coming in yeah. to, to laugh at them, and they give you. They to be fair, they do the first twenty minutes. They give you the whole fucking spinal tap, and you're yes. like, "This is ridiculous." And then slowly but surely, they make the film laugh at you because it's so endearing and so full of heart. In the end, that you go, "What was I laughing at?" These are just two lovely people who got famous very young. And to yeah. be honest with you, the fact they're alive and and reasonably healthy, yeah. as in like they're yeah. not shooting up heroin and tied to a bottle, you know, is actually. They've coped with it. They've lived beyond. Yep. They have. And, I, and I thought it was wonderful that it made, made you know, warm the cockles of my heart. As they Me say. too. It was my my pitch for that documentary is is crazy, and it's the same because I've been telling people at work about it. I go, oh, watch this documentary. What's it about? So you tell them, they go, oh, I've never heard of Ross, and you go, well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> or, or 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 they say, I don't like them. You go, well, that doesn't matter either. It's not. You don't have to be a fan of their music to find that documentary genuine and heartwarming and emotional. Well, you know, it, it, it's big thing. I think it was the, um, when the Sundance screeners went out, there was a lot of American reviewers literally got, who the fuck's this bros? Like, and then they watched <laughs> yeah. the documentary and loved it. So it, yeah. I think it's safe to say whether you, whether you know bros like bros, it really don't matter, does it? It's no, like, it's about, it's about, because they've not, they've not done a kind of where have they been, what have they done? That's all summed up in about five minutes, isn't it? Yeah. It's really just about how two brothers were twins, how mm-hmm. two estranged twins are forced together because the because and they're forced together because they're getting two million dollars. Let's not piss around. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're not they're not doing this for charity. But if you're Luke, Luke's not been playing the drums, has he? No, he's been off doing Blade Two and you know Death Race movies and you can yep, see you can see this, and, you can see on the oh, screen, yeah. couldn't you? The stress was with him because he was like. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, how can I get up to speed? My brother's been performing in Vegas for, for bleeding years. Isn't it? It's like, the, you know, Matt Goss is there going, oh, I'm just playing in a different arena, me. Luke's yeah. like, shit, I ain't held a drumstick. I've been holding guns for the past 10 years. What the hell's going on? I need to remember shit quick. Yep. So it I is, it's was... a great, great way to end this podcast, I think, by talking about that documentary. It, I, would, I can't highly recommend it enough. It's very, uh, and I, I sat down with my other half and... I said, right, you're gonna, we're going to watch it. And she had the initial reaction going, oh, really? Yeah. And by the end of it, she's like, that was amazing. I'm like, told you. <laughs> Definitely is. And uh, So if Rob and Bob, if you're like, you know, you're really not a fan of Bros, I'd still check it out because it is really, really Fair good. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. So there you go. So uh, when when does the new Britflix drop? Have we, when, when's the new episode, Stuart? Um, sometime next week, but... If people want to look at BritFlix.com, John's recently, uh, I think they're up to Christmas, he launched a new design for the site. So if you've been before and not been for a while, then go check out the new design and I'll be dropping, I'll start dropping my podcasts from about next, from middle to end of next week. And then there'll be every week-ish 
sometimes two a week, sometimes fortnightly, but they'll be regular thereafter. Yeah. I'm, I'm speaking to Dave, David Gregory from Severin Films on um, on Wednesday about um, his five great books. Again, that's a thing. I can speak to American distribution sales company for, who do specialise in horror yeah. to talk yeah. about British films. So it means that we get to, it's a win-win. It's definitely a win-win, and hopefully 2019 for everybody involved will be win-wins. Win-wins everywhere. Yeah. Lots of win-wins and lots of <laughs> films being watched and stuff. Well, this, well. Is, this has been a good way to start it. It has indeed. It's my first podcast of the year, so that's yeah. uh, definitely a good way to launch. Next week, we're just covering what we've watched since the last episode, so that's a nice, easy one. And um, I don't think I texted Rob and Bob the topic. I might have done. Did I, I texted you the next topic, didn't I? Yes. Yes. Did you both read the text? Did you both yes. get it? Yes. I guess it's so. so it will be our uh, top 10 favorite television characters of all time. Ooh. So that's uh, you get two <laughs> weeks to notice to put together. To ten again, aren't I? <laughs> Possibly. Oh, I'll probably try and increase mine to 10 and then realize, hang on a minute, I've forgotten about such and such and so and so and all these different people so so it's so it's Saul Goodman at the top and then everything else after yeah <laughs> yeah, all right. um, yeah probably Saul Goodman yeah definitely <laughs> so well, I want to thank you Stuart for coming on it's been a while thank you very much so we'll Indeed. make sure thanks we get for, you back thanks for having on. me not a problem it, it wouldn't be a British podcast would it we didn't get you know one no, of the no, two no 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 very grateful very both, grateful. both British you. film experts on here no offence John <laughs> three, you know, I'd say three if John was on there as well, but he's not. So, you know, yeah. Um, and yeah, thank you as always, Rob and Bob. Yeah, thank you all. Thank you. Like say, it's yeah. good to have had uh, Stuart on again. It's always good chatting to. It's been a while. Very kind. Happy Happy New Year to you all as well. And happy New Year. New Year, everybody as well. So everybody, go do what you're going to do for the remainder of the Sunday night, and um, Happy New Year to everybody who listens as well. Yeah. Okay. And Take have a care. good week until next podcast so next podcast next sunday night which is just what we've been watching so a nice very nice easy no homework uh, yep. other than watching shit bob so there we go <laughs> <laughs> all right well enjoy oh. and i will chat to you all soon Ta-ta. goodbye thanks a lot everyone bye now bye Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.